On today's episode, Dave interviews Damien Fahey. Damien is a host on Hulu's The Morning After, replaced Carson Daly on Total Request Live, and was a host on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. When I moved out here with, uh, well now my wife, we, we were living, we moved from New York City, so I was out there for like eight years on, on television and, and working out there, and when we got together, we, we moved into a one-bedroom apartment in New York, which uh-huh. was, um, which was, it was like, I think it was three grand a month. Where was it? It was uh, in Hell's Kitchen. Where? Uh, 43rd and 10th. Uh-huh. Uh, You're right there. I mean, it's just it's fucking great it over there. It was great. Yeah, I mean, the... It's funny because with that area, you walk two blocks and you're either in a really shady, sketchy part, like Port Authority's right, area, right. or you walk, or you have like, you know, you walk two blocks the other direction. There's like the theater district and there's restaurants and whatnot. But for me, it was just close to work. It was an eight minute walk to work. Where so. were you? Where was it? In uh, Rockefeller? No. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, um, uh, 1515 Broadway. So like Times Square, right, right. in the heart of Times oh, Square. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so, right. With look overlooking. Yeah. Did you have that set? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had it was just like all you know, all windows right. basically. The whole first, whole second floor. Right. First floor was like you know, uh, it was like Bank of America and like little businesses and stuff. Um, but but anyway, so we yeah we were paying three grand a month in, in rent in New York, and I mean that's a lot of money. And right. move out here, and we're looking around, and of course I still have that three grand I can get <laughs> well one bedroom, and then you know so I, if I see it, I saw this house for three grand a month, it was two bedrooms, two baths, a garage, a deck. In the hills, it was great uh, until like work sort of slowed right. for about a year and a half, and right. I'm throwing all this money down the toilet, and so we moved into a um, uh, an apartment, uh, and it's a one bedroom apartment. It's two floors. It's in Hollywood. It's great. I wish I I wish I never moved into that giant right. house because. You don't this need is just that much, so much you better. You don't need that. Much you don't room need either. it. And I love like now I'm all about simplicity. Right. Like simple. We, you know, all, we need we have one bathroom, which is kind of a pain in the ass, but um, we don't need really any more room. Like maybe one right. more room would be nice. How you have one bedroom? One bedroom. I yeah. like having two bedrooms because I like. I mean, for me, you look at my apartment here. Yeah. And, and that's my the dining room is my office. Yeah. And I have my I've got a hallway which I love. Of a yeah. hallway, yeah, you know, and I have a bedroom that's a big size bedroom, and then, yeah, and it's on the second floor, and I can walk up. But you, you, a second bedroom is great, yeah, and also a second bathroom because you know your your yeah. your wife. Um, well, we both do gross things, and it's like well, it's I want to be that. separated from the gross things. But it's that, but it's also like, um, how do I put this? Uh, uh, it's about makeup, yeah, and it's about. All the tools that yeah. go with that, yeah, and uh, oh, and the yeah. time that it takes for that to happen, yeah, and all that, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's also about her career. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. about the way that she looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but she's also great. You know, she's yeah, a, yeah, a yeah, great yeah. artist. But, no, but I'm just saying, like all like guys yeah. don't have that, right? No guys guys throw a shirt on, pants. Maybe mess with the hair, right? But there's no, you know, there's no foundation, and then do the eyes, and then right. you know, maybe we'll like, you know, buzz the, the nose. buzz the nose, yeah, exactly. hairs or something. <laughs> well, but, you, but you got you, you probably have one of those trimmers for your. I face. do, yeah, I have a trimmer for my face, yeah, yeah, a face trimmer, a face trimmer. Does that, does that, all that sort of stuff come from? Because you've done so much hosting work, yeah, like 
does a lot of that come from hosting that you learn like how to how to keep it together and what to do and all that stuff? Yeah, I guess I've always been into like I've always sort of uh, even before the hosting, I was I was on the radio for a while, and I've always just been into like having like my doing my hair. I don't know what that is, but like it's fun. It's it's fun, I guess. Right. Yeah, right. Um, and so, and admittedly, like. I look back at like my hair when I was like 20 and I'm like, this is so embarrassing to look at these pictures. I mean, it was just so gelled and, you know, it was like the late 90s, early 2000s. So it was just gelled the fuck out of it. Uh, but you, were you hosting then? I can't, I can't no, well, You were hosting I, in the two, early 2000s. Yeah, 2002. Right? Yeah, I started. Yeah. So it was my first hosting gig, actually. Yeah. But so I, before that, that, it was radio. Right. But all that, yeah. all that other radio stuff. Yeah. That, because I know growing up, man, radio, the radio guys were like handsome and, and, and yeah. you know, they were just, they were personalities. They were like then. hosts, yeah. Right, they yeah. were like hosts. Yeah. Um, as, but fuck, radio's changed so, so much. much. So much. And especially from like the, the time you're talking about, which right. is probably what, what decade was that? Like well, the, I was, I, I loved radio. 60s, I remember, 70s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a radio station in Chicago, there still is WXRT, and WXRT used to play. Um, I mean, they play uh, in six in the seventies in because I was uh, I got into high school in seventy three. Yeah, and they would start. They would come on uh, at three in the afternoon. Yeah. Prior to that, it was in India Indian music and India Indian hosts, and then at three o'clock until probably six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, it was rock and roll, and then they changed that, which is so interesting. Yeah. But uh, they played. Um, you know, at that time, they they played the Doors and they played um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and they played like all that folky shit, and they played Springsteen and all that yeah. stuff. And the drag is really this is the drag. Yeah, yeah. They're still playing that music. I know. And it's like I know. Don't. I know. I was listening to ninety five point five out here. It's the classic right. rock station. Yeah. KLOS, and it's a legendary station. I mean, there's so much heritage in that station and everything. And I turn it on, and I'm like, I heard like the Doors light my fire, and I'm like. Who wants to? Who wants to genuinely? Who gets ex, genuinely gets excited about hearing this anymore? Right. It's like been. It's been played thousands of times. Billions. Billions of times. Yeah, it's got to be billions. Yeah. Of times. Yeah. And, I and, mean, and, and, and here's a game that I play. I play this game, and the game is pretend that you've never heard that song before. Mm -hmm. That's the game, and it's mm -hmm. really a fun thing to do because right. then you start doing things like, and this is what's great about improvisation is is, is living your life with a beginner's mind. Living your mm. life with childlike wonder, like that idea. Of, I've never heard that before. So if you can, when you hear that, I know you're not going, well, it's killing me, no yeah. more doors. Yeah. But if you could take a moment yeah. to listen to something the way that you've never heard it, listen to something you've heard a million times as if yeah. you've never heard it before. See something, yeah. uh, look at something as if you've never seen it before. Yeah. And at that moment, everything changes. Yes. Because then you are listening to it as opposed to attaching that thing, which is... Uh, I don't. I, I I've heard this a million fucking times. Right, I know but how I this guy. I know how this goes. I know what he's gonna say. I know the bridge <laughs> exactly. sounds like this. Exactly. And when I started, I, I started playing the drums when I was like eighteen or nineteen. I got really into like the drums, and Which I started is to. Late. You what? Which is kind of late. Right? Very late yeah. for yeah, especially now. I mean, there's you go on right. YouTube and there's two year olds, you know, doing drum solos. Fuck those says, kids. Fuck those kids. Right. Fuck anyone doing something better than me. Younger than I am. Yeah. Well, they certainly don't have an appreciation for it. And they're little fucking monkey robots. Right, right. Fuck those monkey robots. But, um, anyway. but anyway, when you learn when you learn an instrument, you your it rewires almost your brain, that part of your brain that listens. I don't think to it almost rewires the brain. I believe that it rewires your it brain. It probably does. And and you just hear things. And I, now I hear things as opposed to just before that I would listen to a song and I would just think of it as one 
cohesive piece. Right. And now I'm like, this is the bass is doing this, the kick drum's doing this, the snare. Oh, look, that's interesting. The hi hat, he's using like a a 13 inch hi-hat instead of a 14 inch and I can tell those are those are pasty symbols because they're a little more hot it's crazy so it becomes like a like a 3d sort of a music goes from 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 you know from from uh, I guess what would be two dimensions or one two dimensions, two dimensions to three dimensions right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, I'm really into the Grateful Dead and um, mm. and every concert is recorded, yeah. you know. So uh, and every concert is not just is every concert recorded, but every concert recorded. And so many, eighty five percent of anything they've ever done is out there, mm -hmm. and you can hear it. Yeah. So I'll go to Spotify and I'll listen to one version of uh, Estimated Profit, which is a you know long jam song, yeah. and another version of Estimated Profit, and yeah. you'll go these, and especially because they had two drummers. Yeah, yeah. They had two drummers, yeah. and you and to watch these two. Have you seen a band with two drummers? Um, like the the Almond Brothers have two had two I, drummers. I have. I'm trying to think of who who it is though. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen the two drummers on stage before. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's incredible. Actually, look, Ringo Starr did it with. Um, with someone, I was, I was watching a video uh, of him. Yeah, I forget who it was, but he yeah. had, he had him, and there was another drummer on stage playing with him. Yeah, um, and it's crazy. It's to watch cool, those two. and, and they, they have to stay in sync. I mean, it's hard enough to play drums right. with. You have to serve the song and serve the people who are playing in front of you, right. the other uh, musicians. But to be locked into the because t your groove and your time, each drummer is so it's all it's so different. So it's like it's so exciting. It's, it's really it's exciting to me. Yeah. And, and I think that when you talk about Ringo Starr, that's a great example of can you hear a song, a Beatles song for the first time? Because they just re-released yeah. um, the Beatles live on BBC. Oh, they did. I don't know if you've heard it. I, I haven't. Don't know if you're into Beatles at all. Yeah. But the Beatles live on BBC. Yeah. Are all the songs that you know that were recorded. Right. But now they were live in studio. Without any overdubs. Oh wow! And it's like listening to a, a great concert. Yeah. And there's two two discs out, um, and it just came out. And wow. I and, and and if you want, listen to Terry Gross interview the guy that that said put these together, BBC engineer. And it's crazy to listen to it because it's, it goes back to the idea of what is it that you're looking at yeah. that you've seen a million times, yeah. and you're just shutting yourself out of the inspiration that is there. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this hosting job on yeah. Hulu, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and what what? Because I I, wa I watched it, yeah. and I got Hulu Plus, which I, I like. Yeah, Hulu Plus is great. Yeah, and I watch it, and you're you're. What are you getting out of it? And I'm, I'm saying that in a good way. I'm not saying that right. in a negative way. What are you getting out of it? And, um, and I know it sounds like, what are you getting out of it? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Um, for, for me, just like off the top of my head, it's, it's a great exercise in sitting down every night and being able to read off a teleprompter. I know how uh -huh. like, it seems like, oh, it seems pretty easy. Why would he do But it's just to be in that routine of, so that way when I go into an audition for a network hosting gig, I'm not all of a sudden like, oh, I haven't read a teleprompter in two years. Right. As a matter of fact, I've read one for the every night for the past two years, and I can play with it, and I can, I can, you know, that sentence ends. I can improvise, and I can, I'll find it. I'll go right back to it. Right. So it's sort of like, it's it's that, and then there's also nights where, there's nights where I, there's nights where I'm sort of. You know, you have you have good nights and you have bad nights where it's you just kind of get through it some nights, and then some nights you're actually like 
you get animated, you get into it, and you're right. having fun. You know, it's just right. like the nature, I guess, of you're anything that you do over and over again. You're in the groove. I'm in the groove. Yeah. So it's a lot like drumming. Mm-hmm. It seems. Yeah. You know, recently too with that show, um, because I'm such a big fan of. Uh, I'm, when, when, when we first, when the, sh the show is actually sort of morphed into a different version of what it originally started as, it originally was sort of like the soup, but for last night's television. Right. So it was a lot more jokier. There were more monologue jokes and whatnot. And that's all I've ever wanted to do is just stand in front of a television uh, or stand in front of a camera and read jokes on TV or in, and write those jokes, help write those jokes. Right. That's the dream job. And so that was when I got this job, you know, originally, that's what it was about. And it was like, this is, I fucking loved coming in and like, it was just so much fun. And so it sort of took a turn. I think the people at Hulu sort of said, we're gonna pull back a little bit on the humor and it's gonna be more straight ahead recap show. Right. And I still love doing it, but I'm not being, that part of, of, of me is like not being fulfilled, which right. is that telling jokes and helping write jokes and, and, and things like that. And so, and I've always, you know, my, my sort of comedy idols are, you know, like Conan O'Brien and, mm -hmm. and Stephen Colbert. Right. And so I think for a while I had this sort of Colbert-ish delivery because I admire him so much. And I would say over the last six to eight months, I've sort of found my own, I feel like I've found my own uh, voice or groove on, on the show, uh -huh. and I'm a little bit more laid back because Steven is very, he, he's doing a character, so he's very sort of, you know, buttoned up and tie and, you know, nothing is out of place and there's not a, right. there's not a, a piece of stray hair on his suit, you know? Right. And so I'm a little bit more laid back. I'm a little bit more snarky. You're more laid back. You're more laid back. I'm more laid back, again, yeah. You're more laid back. I'm more laid you're back. More snarky. More snarky. Because if you go, again, you know, if you go a little laid back. Right. You know, right. You're, you're holding back on that discovery yeah. that you made where you yeah. go. And every time I hear somebody say a little laid back or a little something, I'm sorry. But I yeah. just, it no, makes no, no, me no. want to jump the fuck all over and go, <laughs> yeah. look what you discovered that you discovered and now you're holding back on that. But I know. That's a fucking huge thing. Yeah. So you're, 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 you're laid back, you're snarky, you're snarkier. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so what you've done was you've discovered your voice. Yeah. I mean, you are still in you are still you're aware of the evolution of your voice. I am. And you with hosting, it's interesting because it seems so when I was doing radio before I got hired at MTV, I said, this is gonna be just like what's the difference between saying something into a microphone? You just it's the only difference is that the camera is being put in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the only difference between radio and television. And I went into television with that. That was your thought. With that idea. That was your thought. Yeah, that uh -huh. was my preconception about television. Right. right. And then I got in front of a, a camera, and then I didn't anticipate 70 screaming teenagers. I didn't anticipate the sensation of being in the middle of Times Square. I didn't anticipate Eminem coming out or Madonna coming out, and you have to talk to her, and there's someone in your ear. You know, we have these IFBs, which are these little, basically like little headphones that you wear. In the, 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 while you're asking a question, the director's talking to you. Hey, don't cut the third question. Uh, change the fourth question, the third word in the fourth question to um, this and that. And you're also like, okay, then I also have the cue cards to take care of. I have to listen to what they're saying. I have to react naturally. So there's just like this, for a while, I was terrible at, at hosting. Uh -huh. I was like really bad on MTV, like those first eight months was just. That's a long time. Yes, it's a long time and it was funny because after 
TRL came to an end, you know, I, there was uh, someone at MTV who kind of spoke to me in confidence and said, you know, you're really, I just want to compliment you on your, your how well you, you host, you know, and how confident and how calm you are. And uh, they said, I want to also let you know that for those first few months, you were really, you were, you know, a lot of the executives were thinking about going in a different direction. Just <laughs> like, oh no, oh no. What do you do with that information? Like, do you, do you, it made you, me paranoid because to think that. It made you paranoid in that moment or it's made you paranoid? It's made me pa a little paranoid. That a little paranoid? It's made me paranoid. It's made me paranoid because what I thought, what I perceived as a good job. You didn't perceive it as a good job because you told me that you were, you didn't say this, but I'm just listening to right. you going, you were anxious during that time. I was nervous and I was anxious, but I, right. when I watched it back, I thought I was doing well. Right. I didn't think I was on the bubble of like, am I going to keep this job? Am right. I going to lose this job? Um, that's but yeah, so going. that's so people people sort of talking behind your back while you're doing your job. I was not used to that, um, and I don't want to say talking behind. Like I understand that they were talking behind my back because it was it was it was actually a way of, um, you know, like making sure that I don't freak out. So I get why they didn't tell me. Right. But 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 Damien, they also had confidence in you. Yeah, they did. They didn't shit can you. Right. Exactly. And and so so when you say things like. There, there. It, it, it's, and that's why I wanted to be sure on what you were saying. It's made you paranoid. Yeah. I don't know that it's made you paranoid. I think that what it's made you is, and this is just me. Yeah. I think it's made you aware yeah. of the way that business runs. Right. Because if you are paranoid, I don't think. I mean, I know you're paranoid on the subway. You think someone's going to stab you. I know that you're. Oh, paranoid I did about, tell you that. Yes, you <laughs> I did. I know that you're paranoid about that. Oh yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. That's probably a good reason to be paranoid. Right. But. And it doesn't necessarily serve you, but what <laughs> right. serves you about, you know that those people are talking behind your back because yeah. it's really, it's it's fact-laden truth. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's the fact that it it's they're talking business about your the way that you're looking at this. So mm -hmm. when I say fact-laden truth, what I mean is it's a phrase I just coined. Yeah. They're, it's a business. They have money. Sounds like a Bill O'Reilly book. It, oh my God, that's <laughs> horrible. Um, let's just say, it, yes, he can't do it now because I said it. Um, but it's that idea of they're, they're, they're watching their product. And, and I, I understand you know. that. I yeah, understand I, they I, I have a vested too. interest and they right. have invested in me. Right. And so it only makes sense for them to critique how I'm doing right. and to... But they they laid off on you. They I mean, did they, lay they, off. They didn't say they didn't say get in there damage control. Right. And I don't. You're not telling a part of the story. Maybe there is a part of the story being um, uh, uh, someone coaching you. But it doesn't. There was like, someone coaching me. Okay. There was someone coaching. But me. was there anybody coaching you before that? I mean, before no. that? No. I see. No. So I, I had a stretch of months where I was uncoached, first time on television. Right. And then I found that out. And it made me it made me paranoid. But I also realized it was interesting because it made me paranoid, but it also was freeing in a way. Right. Knowing that look, people are going to say things, people are going to judge you, but either you do you have to do your you have to do your thing. You have to do your thing, and it's. And I remember when I first got the job, I'd read the message boards on on the oh, website. Oh no! Oh no! You can ne I will never read a review, a message board no nothing even if because if it's a thousand a plus great job if there's one you suck that's who i 
I think that I, person has it figured out. Right. Like because <laughs> I feel like they know I'm a fraud. Right. They know that I'm totally. There's also something with the a thousand A pluses that's just as not true as the one that mm -hmm. is the one drag. Yeah. So it's all it's all not true. It's all not. True. And everyone has their vested interest too in sitting down and writing that. Why did they do that? You know. I mean, some is some is some. Is, I mean, it's sometimes you sit down, and you're honest, and you're like, hey, I love Stephen Colbert. You know, he's right. he's he's great. Blah blah. blah. But the people who sit down and write um, negative comments, it's it's there's something else behind that. I think. I think so too. You know what I mean? Well, there's a culture that I, I would and as you speak as you're talking about. I'm thinking anybody that sits down at a uh, on their computer and types out uh, a not even a snarky like a negative mean spirited thing, mean spirited right mean spirited thing right there. You don't know what their culture is around them doing that. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, why do they do that? Yeah. Who is it that they're trying to impress? Yeah. What is it that they're, how is it they're lifting themselves up? And at the end of the day, it goes back to this sentence, this lovely sentence, other people's opinion is none of your business. Mm -hmm. Because at, at the end of the day, you don't, what, it doesn't matter what it this doesn't. person thinks. It doesn't. Whether it's Frank Rich, you know, I'm using Frank Rich, well, you know, back in the New York Times when he was a yeah. critique critic there, yeah. but you know, whether it's Frank Rich or whether it's, you know, uh, uh, Razorback 945. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and with improv, I think that's a big thing too, is taking the audience out of the equation, which is, you can't completely, because when you get a laugh, it feels good. Like, it's going to feel good. Right. And when you don't get a laugh, it's going to feel Bad. It doesn't to me. It doesn't? No. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because both of those are reactions. Mm -hmm. And if I want to put any weight on that laugh, yeah, I'm there to get a laugh. Right. But you know what I could do? I can make you laugh. Right. I can do it. I know I can right. do it. Right. And when I don't make you laugh, it's not it doesn't make me feel bad. It's like, well, that happened. Right. And so I look at both those things. And I've mentioned it before, uh, you know, the podcast where when somebody doesn't laugh at me, yeah. this is what <laughs> I think. I think they're sitting there going, he's really handsome. Boy, he's really good. And I'm taking the time away from them oh to my really God. study that. Yeah. I know that's just as big a lie right. as anything. Right. As I suck. Do you think that's experience? That because Absolutely. when you first started, you what what, what was there's, your were you concerned? Oh, there's desperation. Desperation. You know, and yeah, I, I think you get into it because desperation is sort of fuels a lot of for a lot of people. Yeah, for I a lot mean, of people. For me, I got into it because then I could really pretend to be someone that I'm not and not have to audition for that part. Mm. Uh, a major part was I could pretend to be not I could pretend to be I guess I could pretend to be I could pretend to be uh, uh, six foot two I yeah. could pretend to be a woman I yeah. could pretend to be all these things that I would never ever be able to do yeah. and in that moment so yeah. there was the idea of being terrified never drove me right did it drive you yes I like it I don't I don't like it I've realized that I've come to uh -huh. I've come to dread it. It's the worst, thi you know, I just did... Um, what is it? It is being, it being what? The f fear. Uh -huh. Intense, all-consuming fear. <laughs> and if someone sends me an email and says, you know, I got an, an email a couple weeks ago uh, from the lady who runs ASCAT at, at UCB, and uh, I haven't done it yet. I've done Armando, and I remember that being a really, you know, scary experience mm -hmm. because I was, you know, maybe it was like a year into... Um, my, I guess my relationship with, with IO, you know, mm -hmm. like sort of like, you know, going, taking classes and whatnot, and you're thrown on stage, 
and it's a suggestion and you have to think it's stories on the spot and how the hell am I going to do that? And I've got no stories. And so I, I went to this whole thing. And so I got this email for, from, from ASCAT. And when I, the second I got it, I need to, and I've learned this about myself, I need to just respond with a yes. Because if I think about it, I will say, oh, I'll get back to that later. And that's sort of like my defense. I know I won't. I know I won't send that out. Right. Because it's, it's fucking scary to get on a stage in front of strangers who are essentially judging you. And but that's your, that's the, the idea of who are essentially judging you. I don't believe that to be true. See, that's, but that's, that's the way I view it, I guess. I know. And, but I, that's and your, maybe that's, that's your, unfair. I don't know that it's unfair. I, I, I don't know that it's unfair. I know that it's probably mostly not true. Right. You understand what I mean? Like, like, like if you're going to weigh out whether, you know, you weigh out the people that are judging you, the people that aren't judging you, and the right. people that don't give a fuck. Right. Most of the people don't give a fuck that or be, aren't judging That you. would be great. But it's true. But in my mind, I, I, when, I'm, when I get on a stage, I'm thinking, um, oh, God, the majority of these people do not like me. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I swear me? to are God. Are you kidding me? I swear to That's God. That's just such an amazing waste of time. I know it is. I know it that. is. You know what I mean? And I'm, I, I'm saying, right. like, you're entitled to that feeling. But I don't believe that you believe that. I, I believe, you I, believe that? I, there is a part of me that does believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a part of you. It's yeah. part of you. Yes. It's not. But that goes away once, like, it takes me 15 seconds of being on stage to be comfortable and to be, oh, okay. What does that this, say about it? This isn't what I thought it was. Right. Right. But I right. always go into an experience thinking, this could be the audience that fucking hates me. Oh, and then, I know. Oh, yeah, it's so crazy. weird. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and what's so interesting is I expect, well, you know what? Everybody's got there. Everybody's got that little thing. That, yeah. You know, the, because I, I, I've been thinking about it lately as, as a, an allergy. Everybody's got that little allergy and they, gotta, they go, oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm, I know I shouldn't be eating avocados, but I have to. And this is the same sort of thing where you're going, I know that I shouldn't be thinking that. Right. But I'm going to. Yeah, and absolutely. And my feeling is this. Mm. The feel my feeling is this. It's about time management. What are you doing? Look at the look at what you're doing with the time prior to you being on that stage and that 15 second buffer zone that you know you don't need. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the time prior to that mm -hmm. is the time that you're going, oh my, oh, what if this is and instead of instead of and I know that you know this, which yeah. is what you do at Hulu and you know the, the morning after show, yeah. is you go, I'm gonna have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big switch. It's it all is it it is only if you say so. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you go, it's a big switch or it's something that I I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I guess I I, I, I do enjoy doing it. I know. I've seen you. And so why don't I just have that? that opinion like throughout the or have that viewpoint from throughout the whole experience when you get from the start email, to finish open it, right i should open the email and go fuck this is something i love to do right. i'm responding yes because no i'm responding yes i'm responding yes you don't need the because right the fucking because doesn't matter right the how and the why I, never fucking matter and i know that i like to i, I like to do it. so anyway so yeah so um I'm, I'm just saying again so when that comes up yeah the moment you get to practice that and then the next time that something like that comes up yeah 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 yeah. You were uh, you were <laughs> you were at Times Square with a fucking New York audience outside, right. like on the street, whatever it's going to be, right. overlooking Times Square, screaming, you know, tears right. in your ears, and all these people, and Madonna comes right. in. I know, and you know, really, I know, but yeah, I know. I can always, I can always, I can always add a butt to everything. I know, and, and it and could and be like, here is your dream job on a platter, right? 
this, we're going to give you everything you've ever wanted in life. And I'll go, that's great, but, and then I can always think of sort of like a, yeah. a, a you know, a caveat or something about it. Um, and, and those are the moments that we, that take us out of the glory that is that laugh in that moment, yeah. that, that yeah. joy in that moment, somebody touching your hand in that moment that you yeah. want them to touch you, be near you yeah. in that moment, yeah. instead of going, where's this going to, or what's going to happen, or why yeah. are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes back to the thing about experience. So you ask me, you know, is that experience? Like, yeah, that's experience. That's how that works. That the after more, a while you go. The more experience you have, the, the more. The more, the, and also the, the moments that you're in those moments of, oh, this is, historically, this would scare me. Yeah. This is the moment that I'm going to see what it feels like to, to turn, yeah. to not take that, to not make that historic move that I would. Well, this is make. interesting because I have noticed that when I am at my most fearful, I can, there have been times where like not, a hundred percent of the time, but most of the time, when I'm scared going into something, I can really produce pretty well. Right. Like I dig deep, and I really can. I know. I know I can hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And then there are times when I go into something relaxed, and not as there's something about fear and investment. But isn't there? Aren't there also times where you go into something relaxed and you hit it out of the park? I suppose there are. Yeah. Oh, but I feel like when I'm fearful doing these things that make me really fearful, I have, I put more down on, you know, I push more chips onto the, well, you're just more focused, onto the table. You're focused. Yeah, more focused. I'm more laser, like, laser, like, right. bam. Right. This needs to happen. Right. Um, and then when I'm a little bit more relaxed, um, don't you want the combo platter? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. I think you have the combo platter. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. Yeah. You do have the combo platter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You put anybody else, you take somebody on the street and put them you know, in the job that you have right now, yeah. and they're gonna be fucking freaking out. Yeah. The history right. that you've got, the experience that you've got, again. Uh, this is like every therapy session I've ever, <laughs> I've ever had. But it's, you know, I, and yet I look at it and I think if you're, I, I think that, and I understand that, uh, if you're look, when you're looking at, you're, look, you're looking at these things because you're in process of it changing. Mm-hmm. And you just haven't taken the opportunity to, to to engage it as often as you as often as you can. Does that make sense? I what was that? Yeah, I, uh, you're, you're going through it because you're evolving into the person that can be relaxed and be laser focused mm-hmm, on that mm-hmm. because you know both those things mm-hmm. work for you mm-hmm. to be able to pre- also be the person <coughs> that doesn't think well oh I'm, this audience is judging me yeah. and just to go up there and you just haven't experienced you, you just haven't given yourself full permission to go into it without having that worry. <clears throat> you right. know what I mean? Go into it without doing the thing that you say you always do. And even if I get nervous, it doesn't necessarily mean it. It's, it means it doesn't necessarily mean fear. I guess no. All if I'm nervous, it might mean I've got all this stuff going on inside me that I can't wait to get out in front of an audience, right. which is really exciting That's because it. that means you know that means okay you're you're this is you're supposed to be doing this that exactly and you're about to be doing this yeah and you are doing this yeah and so all those things but the moment i, I love uh, what michael bernard beckwood says about uh worry yeah worry is rehearsing for something that you hope doesn't happen which is <laughs> right. an awesome thing right because why are you spending the time on something that you hope doesn't yeah. happen as opposed to 
spending the time on being engaged and present in the moment that you're in. There's a uh, Tom Petty lyric, I love Tom Petty, and uh, he goes, most things I worry about never happen anyway. Right. And I was, when I heard that, I go, well, shit, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, and here's another all thing these things that. I've been worrying about never really, never well, really happen. Some do. And when so, those things do, But you most know, things that you worry about don't happen, but then something else happens that you weren't worrying about. Right. But you're then you charge, deal with it. You're not in charge of anything. Yeah. Except yeah. showing up. Yeah. You're in charge of nothing but showing up. Yeah. And fucking show up. Whatever that means, show up. You can show, And I love what you said about the nervousness because nervousness, you're attaching, and I understand this too, mm-hmm. you're attaching... A negativity to nervousness. Yeah. Whereas, what really is nervousness? I think than your in that moment being more alive than you've ever been in that moment. Right. And and I love that. I like feeling that because I know that when if it's been a long stretch of me not feeling that, I know I'm I'm not in it. Like I'm just sort of coasting. Right. With work, with improv, with hosting, with radio, whatever it is. Right. That is the worst. Feel, I hate that feeling. What's the feeling again? Tell me what the feeling is. It's, it's that feeling of coasting. It's that feeling right, of right. sort of... There's no extreme highs or extreme lows. It's right, right in the middle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And after a while, a prolonged period of that, um, it, it, I can get just... It makes me miserable. I'm, I'm like, I'm, just, I'm not getting anything out of this. I need to be... And I guess and that means happens. I need to be challenged. And then what happens? Then I figure out a way to change that. And, and, and is that, so you figure out a way to change that. Does that mean that project that you were about to do, you finally jump on that? Or yes, you, sometimes, maybe. Right, right. Maybe it means cutting ties with something that hasn't been serving That is me huge, creatively. right there. Letting go of that which no longer serves you yes. is huge. huge. That, that's the definition of surrender. Yes. And I, I mentioned it before, the idea of that thing, because really at that moment what you're holding on to, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You're surrendering that complacency. Yeah. Uh, you're going, yeah, I'm complacent, but in the complacency there's no evolution, there's no change, and there's no growth. Exactly. So what is that? What is that thing that you're needing to surrender? And it could be a person, it could be an apartment, it could be clothes, it could right. be, you know, it's right. all that stuff. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think, especially for creativity, I, I don't think any great creative um, moment has ever can't come from, like you never hear a great artist say, eh, it was just kind of a, you know, whatever time in my life. And I totally I was, it was in the middle, you know? It's yeah. like I was in a really deep, dark place and then this happened or I was it was the greatest moment of my life and I had to write about it right. uh, I had to write a song about it it's that middle part that I um, which is very it's it's very alluring to, 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 to live there I guess to live in the complacency yeah to, to uh-huh. live in like sort of I, I always think like in, in the middle mm-hmm. you know what I mean if uh, I would I think a lot of people go all that I gotta do is settle down. Right. If I settle down, right. everything's gonna be fine. Yes. And you go, really? I settle down and I wanna, you know, a, a family and a bank account and, and a house and, and that and this and that. Um, and that's fine. I mean if that is that is if that's a goal, right. if that's a goal, right. that's the goal. And go for the goal, that's great. But for me, I don't feel like I wanna always have it be exciting and I always wanna I don't know. That to me is when I'm feeling just sort of, you know, coasting along. It's sort of a wake-up call, and it's like, wait a minute, something is not right here, right. and I need to figure out what that is. Right, and it's taking the moment to sit back and to, to, to take 
uh, inventory, and I don't mean that necessarily in a uh, I don't I don't mean that in, in an AA sort of way, like to take it emotional inventory. I don't even know what that means, but it's that feeling of okay. I think that this is it. If somebody says to you, uh-huh. "What are you doing?" and you start ticking off what it is that you're doing, yeah. like listing it off, you're going to come to something on that list that makes you go. Ugh. Yeah. I think it's that uh, yes. uh, uh, that you go, that's what I got to get rid of. You nailed it. That's it. That's totally it. And then, you, if, if what you're doing, when you say, now I, like I see your Instagram and I see like your social media and I can tell there's, you're very, I can tell you really enjoy traveling to San Francisco to do an improv fest or Austin or wherever it is, you know, I can tell there's like a lot of joy and a lot of, it's, it's, it's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I can tell that. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, that, I think, is, that's sort of the, that's the trick. You just, you should be doing what you want to be doing. You get to be doing And it. also, I'm extremely, when I'm doing something I don't want to be doing, I'm extremely lazy. And I don't, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm an only child, so I want, I feel like that's part of it. Like, I've never not done what I've wanted to do. I, 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 you said something, obviously you saw me have this kinesthetic response. Yeah. Um, when you're not doing something, when you're not compelled to do something, you find you're extremely lazy in doing it. Yeah. The key there is you're not lazy, you're just not compelled to do it. Do right. you understand? Right. I think a lot of people say, oh, he's lazy. It's, right. He's lazy, he's not going to get a job. Well, you know what? He does want to fucking get a job. Yeah. Let him not get a job. Yeah. Or I'm not compelled to do that. I, you know, I've got a book that I've started a million times. Yeah. And I, it's not that I'm lazy. It's just that I'm not compelled. You're to not compelled to do, do it. it. Right. Right. And if I'm not compelled to do it, you can't. It's like you try to talk me into loving you. Exactly. Like, yeah. And nothing good is going to come out of that. By I mean, writing is difficult. Writing is tricky because there is the first. It, it can become very overwhelming when you mm. think of the. Okay, I have to write a 300-page book. Right. Oh my God! What the fuck? How am I going to do that? Where do I start? I don't do I have a beginning. Do I have a middle? Do I have, it's so overwhelming. But it is important, I think, also to to start, just to start and take the first step and see step by step by step, and as opposed to just getting completely overwhelmed. But uh, if you're not compelled to even take the first step, then yeah, don't, the don't do it. No. Don't do it. No, and that has and, a lot to do with as you get older, you yeah. learn to say no. Right. Somebody asked oh, me. Yeah to do something, and I have to be careful how I'm saying because I haven't had a discussion with this person. Uh-huh. They asked me to do something for free. Uh-huh. I don't do, I, I do this podcast for free. Uh, do something for free, oh, I'm not gonna ask specifically what it was, but. It's do I don't a, think you a sh- teaching job. I don't, oh my God. And it's to go out, and they're not charging stuff, uh, they're not charging other people to do this thing. Right. And I, I you know what, I, I don't, I, I, it's huge, yeah. but I don't do that anymore. Is it, uh, it, it would require you traveling? I, it, would and, tra- it would be outside of the city, right. but it's a day, right. and it's me teaching, right. and then it's me performing. Right. And you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. No, I don't and, blame you. What's that? I don't blame you. And, and a major part of it is, you know, it's, so when, when I was asked to do this thing, yeah. I, 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 can't, I get thrown back, mm-hmm. and I get upset, and I was up in Modesto with my friend Laura, and she mm-hmm. was, and I was saying, and she goes, look at you, you're mad at this guy. Yeah. And I said, mm, yeah, I am. And then I thought, no, I'm, this is my opportunity to say no. Were you mad at him for... I love hit- him, by the way. Okay. But, w- but were you mad at him thinking 
he doesn't value what I have to give enough to pay me? There's, I don't know that that's that because the first sentence of his email was, I love you so much and I love everything that you're doing. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. It's that sort okay. of thing. Okay. Um, but I think that what it was is, it's that feeling of, uh, it, it, it's that, it's that sense of your make, it's the anger that you get when somebody says something that you know is absolutely true. Yeah. And it's that feeling of, oh, you're making me live the moral and ethical lifestyle that I want. How fucking dare you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because here's my opportunity to really take a look at stuff and go, I'm not going to do that because it Well, might... you're setting a precedent too by, by saying no. Right. I'm setting a precedent and my setting the precedent is it's liquid. Setting a precedent is liquid. It yeah. flows into other areas. Yes. So my setting my precedent Right. No, makes you realize right. that there's a precedent that I have, that there's also an opportunity for you to have that same precedent. You know, it's interesting. When I was doing TRL, there were people who you could, um, I'm not sure if this is going to make sense, but I, it just it popped into my brain. Mm -hmm. But there were guests that you'd have and uh, guests that we'd have on, and they were huge guests, and we wouldn't uh, pitch them silly stunts because we know that they would say no to it. And then there were guests who, oh, this guy's really playful. Mm -hmm. We know he'll do it. Right. But it's sort of knowing, um, yeah, maybe it doesn't make any sense, that, that analogy. But, um, but it's sort of knowing, basically. Like, they w they're going to say no. They're going to say no. They're going to say no. They're, unless they get this. Right. And I think, you know, for, for that person who I was just talking about, that was a, really pain, that was a big pain in the ass because it was like, oh, God, did he just do the thing? Um, but, uh, but for you, who's, who's dedicated his entire life to this art form, and this is weird too with artists because people don't, whether it's music or whether it's comedy, improv, whatever, stand up, um, not being, people don't want to compensate. It's like a silly thing. It's almost like they almost treat you like a child. They don't want to compensate you? Right. But, yeah, yeah. They don't want to compensate you for, for your work. I, and, and I think that that, for me, when I say the precedent, and yeah. you said the precedent as well, it's a huge precedent that I, right now I'm. I'm working with Rachel Hamilton, who, right. uh, you know, I'm working with Rachel, and Rachel's producing this weekend of my being up there, yeah. and it's not a cheap weekend. Right. Well, you wouldn't, like, they wouldn't ask the CEO of, like, Citibank to come and do a seminar. They're not going to ask, a cinema, ask Eddie a semi, seminar to do it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And, and what's right. the difference? I mean, they I, wouldn't ask Conan O'Brien to come and talk about right. ho uh, hosting a television show for for free, right? Unless and it's like his, unless it's you know, it was, it was Harvard or some, you know, some sort of a place he had an allegiance to. And even to. Harvard, I mean, really, Harvard, Harvard, I, Harvard is a, Harvard has a billion, billion they dollars. They've got so much you know? money. But you go, and this is, you know, for me, this yeah. is. I don't want to get too into it because I haven't, I haven't finished this out, but it, I haven't talked to this person. Yeah. But I, I believe that when it comes to improvisation. We fucking sell ourselves short, yeah. and I think that a lot of teachers we don't know that it's a fucking business yeah. because we don't have an agent or a yeah. manager saying, "Look, what show you're doing for free?" Right. Now explain to me why. Right. Because if you look at any other artist, if you look at an actor, yeah, and not, and I always consider all improv improvisers actors. So you look at an actor and you ask an actor to do something, he's probably thinking he's going to get paid. Yeah. But if you look at an improviser doing something, yeah. that fucker's not going to think that they're going to yeah. get paid. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Exactly, and 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 I could see if you were just starting out, if you were sort of just oh, it was your first year teaching, and right. this is in hey, this is all about you know. But you've been, I mean, you're a fixture of, to the of the improv community. I mean, it's like you fucking performed with the best of the best. You're one of the best of the best. It's like you know, it's you've got so much, all that experience that you've, all those shows that you've done, all those classes that you've taught, all the all the thing, times you failed on stage. 
Yeah, that you you failed on stage. Yes, that comes at a premium for for for, <laughs> for releasing that knowledge to people. I mean, that's like that is that's gold. I also believe you know? that if I started out asking for money, we'd all be better off now. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If when I because I my first teaching gig, professional teaching gig. Well, no, I was thrown into it. My first professional teaching gig was in prisons across the United States. I was right. in a theater company. Yeah. You know, and so that I got paid for that. Yeah. And then I went to a JCC in Hyde Park, Chicago. And yeah. I get paid to teach there. Yeah. And then I got paid to teach at Second City. Yeah. And then you know what? I'm fucking getting paid. So all right. <laughs> right, I know, right? Like, you're, you're working yourself up. But I get I get I get upset about it because there's this mindset that improvisers have that says we don't get paid. And I think you can say no to this guy while being as respectful as he was and asking for you to do it for free. Here's the thing. And it's that great definition of diplomacy, which yeah. is letting the other guy have it your way. And it's such a great measure of diplomacy because for me, I feel like I will do this, yeah. you will pay me, but I, this will be a benefit. Right. For, and a benefit, I mean like a benefit concert with a capital B. This will be your benefit mm-hmm. and I will bring other people and we're going to make this a thing. So I get paid and your, your group gets money and we make a fucking deal out of it. Right. And if you don't want to do that, then I will do everything that I can to help you as much as I, as much as I feel comfortable with and as much as I'm compelled to. But right. know that no, no, K-N-O-W, know that no, N-O is an option too. Yeah. And no hard feelings. I think it's, you know, you, you nailed it. Feel comfortable with. Right. Because right. he can't write back. No, you feel comfortable with that. Exactly. You know? It's that thing of like, yeah, like, right. No, and how do I feel? I, you know, you could say, you could write back, this is unfair, this has never been done before, and he could say, well, actually, it has been done. People people come for free, and they, they just finish their knowledge and whatnot. But if you say, make it personal, and you say, hey, I don't feel comfortable doing this, he cannot right. say. And it's also, but I, I mean, he I, could, but he'd be, I think that's I'm, someone you don't even want to perform for anyway, paid <laughs> or otherwise. Right, and, 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 and for me, I feel, I also feel like he is, he, he, he's a lovely man, yeah. and I just really, I really love him. Yeah. But once you say yes to that, then you have to then you have to say then it's harder to say no to those things that are later on. Yeah, I will. I do a lot of pro bono stuff. Mm-hmm. I also do a lot of pro bono stuff that leads to pay stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm too. I've been doing this for a long time, and I feel very comfortable. Because I, I think a lot of people say, "Yeah, but you know, you do this free thing, and then people are going to come to your drop-in class." Well, you know what? Yeah, I don't know that they're going to. Yeah. And I can't tell my landlord, right. listen, something might happen down the way that will allow this $1,400 that they spend in this apartment every month for you to get paid by for yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as, as I get older, I get more comfortable with that because it is that experience that we have. That is nice. I've noticed getting older, especially in my 30s, and I still haven't mastered it, um, but standing up for yourself and sort of saying, um, because for the longest time, you know, yes, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that, sure, I'll do that for free. Mm-hmm, yeah, sure, go. I'm not comfortable with that, but I'll say yes because I don't want you to think I'm an idiot or a, a dick, so I'll sacrifice my own happiness for yours. And mm-hmm. that is such a terrible way to, you know, I mean, it's a, it, you're, you're devaluing yourself and it's not a healthy way to, to, you have to. But isn't it also a great way to evolve? Yeah, I think so. Because it, uh, for me, it, you got to know what to say no to in order to know what it is that you'll say yes, yes to. Yeah, right. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. And there's also something lovely 
about when I was younger, I would feel anxious about saying no, and now I'm not. There's a, there's a power in that, too. Right. Which, in a respect thing, I think. Because what you see as saying no, I would think in my head, this is how I sort of, if I, if I say no, that person's going to think I'm a dick, or that person's going to think, uh, well, fuck that guy. Right. And what if you said no, the other option is he's going to say, he's going to respect you a little bit more and right. say, oh, oh, right, I'm, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I didn't mean to, you know, I, I respect you and what, and what you do. And you, oh, I, I get it. You value what you do. Right. And you, you're a commodity and you, you realize that. Right. So it's, 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 you know, ties into like self-worth, I think, too, is, is you're giving yourself that self-worth in, in respecting yourself. And out of you respecting yourself, that's going to make him respect you, too. That's what I mean by saying the precedent is liquid. It's liquid. It spills over into everything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when I say that, it's not just a no. Right. It is a no. Mm-hmm. But it's also a no to other things. It's it's it. There's there's um the adjacent, the adjacent things that come with that no. Yeah. The adjacent one of the adjacent things is that's an education for that person as well to say yeah. okay when I talk to Damien, yeah, and he says no. Uh, it reminds me, oh, that's right, Damien is an artist uh-huh. who has a certain commodity, and I've got to, coming into the next time I come in, or, or this time, when I'm negotiating with Damien, right. I will respect that. I right. didn't know that. Right. No doesn't mean it's the end. Right. No just means at this moment, it's a no. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty powerful, because I've really struggled with this. It's been one of my biggest things in life, is saying no. Right. And I've, I'm not good at just saying, you know, Hey, Damien, you want to come, uh, you know, write for free for this thing? And just saying, no. Right. I, I, I'm like, ah, well, I'm going to, you know, let me think about it and blah, blah, blah. And I sort of do this, like, high voice dance, song and dance routine with my mouth and, you know. And it's like, <laughs> just be honest. Right. Just and say, look, no, no. I can't. I'm, I'm not willing to do that, but let me know. If you find find some funds later, and then I'd lo- be loved. I'd love to, you know, take a few hours out of my day, which is already pretty busy, to help you out. If your day, if this was something that you would that you were interested in doing, your day wouldn't be as busy. If this you was would, something if I was something interested, you, sorry, right? If exactly. You're interested in doing. Yeah. Your day wouldn't be that busy. Right. You would find a place to put that. I carve out some time. You wouldn't even have to carve out time. You would just put time in. Right. It's not like I gotta go. Let's get the let's get the, the carve out knife out. Yeah. The, the 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 calendar carver. Yeah. And then carve calendar. You yeah. you would say, okay, you know what? I do have the time to do that. Yeah. And then you're not lazy. You're compelled to do it. Yeah. And here's another thing. If you, because I was asked to coach, um, there's an ESPN show, mm-hmm. and I was asked to coach. Uh, the two celebrity hosts of the show because they weren't getting along. Right. And I told the guy, you know, they said, I went, you know, will you do this? And I said, yes, I'll do that. Yeah. And they said, okay, fine. Um, uh, what's your rate? And I looked at the show and I said, I don't have ESPN, so I don't really know what's going on. So if you can send me some information about it and then we'll be able to do it. But I'm not going to tell you what my rate is until I know what it is that we're going to be doing. Yeah. And, he goes, and, he, and he said, nothing. And then I never heard from them again. Are you serious? Yeah. A, a producer at ESPN, I never heard from him again. Now, here's the thing. He's got to say no to me. He's got to say no to me. He's got to say, you know what? If you don't know what the show is, then, you know, 
Uh, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Then what are we doing here? Yeah. But he called me. Wow. And I feel like, okay, I. And here's the thing. I don't hate the guy. I don't right. know the guy. Right. I don't, you know, he did that. That happened. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is going to ask me to do something and I don't want to do it, I owe them a no. Yeah. He asked me to do this. Right. And then I, I emailed him and said, what's up with this? He goes, I'm really busy. I'm going to get to it. It's like, okay. And he never got back to you? No. Two months ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about it. But here's the thing. I was excited about it. Did it happen? No. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. It didn't happen. Yeah. Well, was it, well you weren't supposed to, you weren't meant to, to, to do yeah. it, you know. And, and I think also, also like when those situations, the fact that he hasn't gotten back to you, there may be a host of reasons why he hasn't gotten back to you. I don't know what personally is going on with him. Who knows? That's huge. But, but typically I've found in those experiences where you say, I want a little more information about what I'm, what's required of me. That's exactly it. They had so much that they wanted to, you know, me to do. Uh, that it completely was, uh, you know, it wasn't in the same range as how much they wanted to pay you. Right. It, it I'm not com- going to do that. Right. No. And I'm not going to say yes to something. Yeah. And I also want to do this. This is my opportunity to really say what my worth is. Right. And that's what I was really excited about. And you never about. want to be like, you know Dave Rosowski? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love him. What, what a great guy. He's a great guy to take advantage of. Right. You exactly. Know? It's, no, like, it's like, you never want to be that. No. And it's also like, how much do you think he's going to charge? It's like, well, he charged me a nickel. Right. You know, and it's like a nickel. Yeah, you work for 900 hours for a right. nickel. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to do that. I had a friend of mine who told me, my friend Richard Label, I talk about it in every podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? <laughs> you do. You bring it up. Once, right. Once and I called Label and I said, because he does MC work. Yeah. And I said, what do you charge? And he told me, you know, he said this, 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 and this. And he told me how to do it. Yeah. And it's like, now I want to put that. So my feeling about this whole thing was I didn't, was not able to use that negotiating tool that I had. Yeah. I bought an immersion blender. Do you know what those are? An immersion it's blender? thing that's a blender, but it looks like a wand and you plug it in and it's a blender. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So sure. I bought one of those and I got, I got one because I was mashing potatoes. Like, that's $50. I have $50. Sure. And I wanted to use that tool. Yeah. So this is the same thing. I wanted to use my negotiating tool that Richard got me. Right. And in order to do that. So when that didn't happen, it's not that the gig didn't happen. It's not just the gig didn't happen, which is okay. Yeah. It's also I wasn't able to do that. But what good came out of it was our conversation about it. Right. Nothing, is, nothing leads to nothing. Yes. I'm right. Sorry. There isn't anything that leads to nothing. There isn't anything that leads to nothing. Everything, Everything leads, leads to, to something. something. Right. <laughs> it took us a while to get there. That's it. That's it, though. Even nothing. Even, a, yeah. Nothing, even nothing leads to something. Right. Even the shittiest improv scene you've ever been in. And I actually think that that leads to more than the best improv scene you've ever been in. Well, it goes back to your complacency thing. Right. Maybe they're equal. The, the, your shittiest improv scene, the worst, you've been humiliated on stage and you're just dying under the, under the lights. The audience is recoiled in their seats, you know? And then the greatest, they're, they're clapping after a line you said and they're just fucking magic and it's, it's the reason why you know, it's, it's the drug that keeps you coming back. Right. Those are equal. They're all equal. In the middle is sort of like, 
it was a scene, it wasn't terrible, the audience was kind, they knew what was going on, but what is, you don't learn anything from that. <laughs> but you do learn something from that. You what learn do you learn that, from? The, you learn from that, that you need to put more energy into that. You right. learn from that. May, take more risks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. At right. that moment, you learn that that feeling of complacency is a feeling that exists. There is no right, there is no wrong. That that feeling of complacency leads you to, oh, I'm complacent right now. And the moment that you're in that, that complacency in that scene, right, though you, you right now you're, you're having this kinesthetic, yes. emotional, you're, you're gesturing and all that yeah. stuff. And so in that moment, does that not give you anything? No, no it, it gives does. you something. Right. What does it give you? It gives that feeling of, oh, David and I were talking about complacency and now I'm in the middle of the scene where I'm complacent. What do I got to do? Ramp up my honesty in this moment. Invest in my emotional content at this moment, and and that's what we get out of it. Is that what happens when 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 you're in those scenes where they're just sort of a little rudderless? Is that what you? What I end up doing if I'm rudderless, I'm not present. Mm. That's what happens because Mm -hmm. I'm never not. I'm if I'm not if I'm rudderless, I'm probably if I'm rudderless nine times out of ten, I'm thinking about something else. And what I need to do in that moment, what I get to do in that moment, is to say, what do I really want to say right now? What's my emotional content? Because I'm avoiding something. Right. And then I say it right then. And it's not a clever thing to say. Sure. It's an emotional thing that I'm feeling in that moment. Because if I'm rudderless, the word in, it's interesting. Rudderless it reminds me of sailing. Yeah. And in, in Hebrew, the word for wind is the same word for spirit, which I think is really interesting, the word ruach. So when I'm, when I'm in the doldrums in an improv scene, it just means there's no wind, but there's also no spirit. Right. What requires spirit? An emotional content, the spirit. Now spirit, I, I would imagine the word spirit, inspiration, spirit, wind coming in. I would yeah. imagine that, that spirit and inspiration has yeah. some connection to the word wind or energy or yeah. air or flow or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So there's no emotional content in that moment. And so what has to happen when I'm in the, the improv doldrums in that moment is to say, how do I feel? And then fucking blare it the fuck out. Not necessarily shout it, but commit to it. If you're in a scene where you feel like your partner isn't listening to you, will you say, you, you're not listening to me? Exactly. Wow. Because that's the greatest thing in that moment. Right. What else is there? Right. There's nothing else there. Right. So what's the emotion? You're not listening to me in that moment. Great. I'm frustrated. Or if you're, what? I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because you're not listening to me. Right. Why aren't you fucking listening to me? Because right. all that matters is the only thing we know, the only thing we own is the emotional content that we're feeling in that moment. Right. We don't know anything else. Right. We don't know, like the facts that we have, you don't know where that your money in your account, you don't know that your parents yeah. are still alive. You know, it's a horrible example. No, 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 it's true. It's, it is true, actually. Well, I don't know if my parents are alive right now. Right. You don't I haven't know. checked my phone in like exactly. 30 minutes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. now, you know that you're nervous. Right. And as long as you know that you're nervous in this moment, right. you get to use that as inspiration. Right. Because that's all that you have. And if you want to fucking fake it, yeah. Why fake it when everything that you have, you have? Do you, but when you say fake it... Pretend to feel the feeling that you're not feeling in that moment. Okay, so anger. In order, right, oh, I've got to be anger. I'm not feeling anger. So if you're not feeling anger, you don't go on the stage as an angry person. No, and and if I'm feeling, right. Yeah. And, mm. and, and my anger has nothing to do with my choice. Right. My anger has to do with I look at you and what do, what does, what do you need? Right. Because at that moment, if you're looking at me confused, which is what you're looking at me, I yeah. know you're not, right. but, but you have this confused look on your face right. and I go, you know, and, I, and we're playing a character, I go, Scott, it's easy to understand. You're just not fucking getting it. Yeah. At that moment, I'm not coming out of, that's not coming out of thin air. Right. That's coming out of the way that you're looking at me. Right. And being present. That's it. Yeah. So... 
challenging to be present on stage. If you when say, you... but Damien, I think it's more challenging to be clever. I oh, think that's, it's more... that's the worst. But that's it. Yeah. So what are the other choices? Yeah. It's either being present right. or being clever. Right. Clever isn't here right now. Clever no. is in your, in your studies. Head. It's, it's in, in your, your head. studies. It's in your history. It's yeah. in your books. It's in UCB and mm. Groundlings and Second City and IO. That has right. nothing to do with this moment. Right. Because those are becauses. The clever, I just, it's so... What's, what, what's, it's, what weighs more? I'm trying to think of clever. You know what clever is to me, sort of? And I've seen shows that people are very fucking clever in their hilarious shows and whatnot. But it's sort of the... When... It's like a drum solo, basically. It's selfish. Yeah, there's a selfishness to it. It's a guitar solo. It's right. a drum solo that doesn't serve. It's a guitar solo that doesn't serve the song. It's sort of like there's other stuff going on in the background, but it's you know all that kind of like look at what I know. I know how to turn. I know the, I can play this chord. I can play this chord. I can go to this. It's I can, indulgent. Yeah, it's a little. It is indulgent. It is yeah. indulgent, and it has nothing to do with with me. And, and and so I listen to. But but there are moments on stage where I will be out of fear. I, I will be clever. Or I will right. think it's of, out of fear. It's out of fear, yeah. But you look at, if, if I look at... But the best scenes that I've ever been in, and the best moments I think I've ever experienced in improv, and the biggest laughs, the biggest laugh I've ever gotten, and I would say, I pluralize it, the biggest laughs I've ever gotten in improv, or I've ever seen in an improv show, the biggest laugh I've ever given to a group on stage has been nothing clever. It just comes out of their mouth. Right. And, and that is the greatest... Feeling. That, I think it's my favorite thing about improv. Well, what is, is it, it just comes out. You don't know where it came from. Right. It came from some sub part of your brain that somehow just sort of, and now it's out and people are laughing, people are clapping. Right. And it's, it's not just that, I think if you look at like a lot of improv shows, like if I told you the, the funniest thing, Damien, what's the funniest thing you've ever done on stage? And yeah. I told you right now, you wouldn't laugh. No. It's, it's, it's the fact that it came out in the moment it's the fact that it was in, within the context of what was happening around me. Right. It was within the context of how my character, what my character wants, what he's, that, it all comes together. It's, it's that an, little. I think it's an, an unexpected blurt of truth. Yes, it's yeah, totally. unexpected blurt of truth where yeah. you're going, and then everybody got to, has to catch up with, with that. We're going, you caught me off guard in your unexpected blurt of truth. Yes. And I go, oh my God, I, I, what? Yeah, or, or it, it's, it's, like inflating a balloon, the scene sort of like inflating, 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 oh my God, and then people are getting tense, and then all of a sudden you pop the balloon right. because you said what everyone was, what everyone was sort of thinking. Whatever was thinking but not saying. But or, not saying. Right, right, right. And, uh, uh, yeah. right. and I totally get that. And I think that um, it, it goes back to what I've been saying about improvisation. It's pressure, tension, and dynamic, yeah. which is like we're building the pressure, we're slowly building the yeah. pressure, we're slowly building the pressure, yeah. and then what ends up happening is in that moment, you're watching, because Hitchcock says it's not the gun going off, it's the anticipation yes. of the going, Absolutely. going off. And it's my favorite day of the year. It's not my birthday. Right. It's the day before my birthday. Yeah. Because tomorrow's my motherfucking birthday. birthday. Yes, right. No, you're absolutely right, and it's that's why when I see a scene start with, well, fuck you. You stole my car. You know what? Oh, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, maybe one out of a thousand of those will work. But imagine if I just came into your apartment and I was like, we fucking doing this podcast, you motherfucker. You know, like, 
That's insane. It is insane. No one, yet, no one acts like that in life. But the thing is that so much improvisation is about that, like getting at that moment of that height as opposed to, right. hey, baby, let's fucking foreplay the shit out of this thing. Right. And then wherever it's going to go, and the audience, going to go. it's building, and the audience wants that big right. moment, but you're not, you're playing with them, and you're not giving it to them. That's why a shitty sitcom has all that information at the beginning of a yeah. scene that is explaining all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's stop there. Okay. I have a dentist appointment. I really don't, you know, I want to talk, but I'm, we're, I'm going to the dentist. Oh, boy. I get excited about that now. That would get me a little scared. Well, is it a cleaning? Yeah, it's just Oh, like, you're good. Oh, no, I know. I yeah. love going to the dentist. Yeah. I love it. I go, and then, I, and then I'm done. I got a great dentist. Yeah. I, I, a t- great dentist is really... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's important. I, my dentist is Asian, mm-hmm. and I went there, and I said, uh, he said, when's your next, when's your next appointment? And I said, I don't know. And so I did it six months. Yeah. And he said, um, well, how about 2.30? And I said, well, that's the time you're supposed to go to the dentist. 2.30. And he went, what do you mean? And I said, 2.30. That's when you go to the dentist. It's 2.30. All right. And he said, I don't understand. I said, tooth hurty. Uh, 2.30. <laughs> yeah. And he lost his mind. Yeah. I think there's one dentist joke, and I just told it to him. That's amazing. All right, let's stop that. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDCOMEDY at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDCOMEDY.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.